0: Welcome to a special edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. We've got a packed lineup of guests for you tonight as we celebrate the end of Roe v.ersus Wade.
1: And we will abolish abortion!
0: Roe v.ersus Wade is overturned. The Supreme Court ruled that the Constitution of the United States does not grant any right to abortion. The decision comes with a flurry of excitement from pro-life advocates and lawmakers across the nation. We're joined by Attorney General Lynn Fitch, who represented Mississippi's pro-life law at the Supreme Court. Scientific facts. We dive into medical analysis of the decision with Dr. Christina Francis, board member and CEO-elect at the Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists as well as Dr. Tara Sander Lee of the Charlotte Lozier Institute who weigh in on how the overturn of Roe will help pregnant women and save babies. Addressing misinformation, Alison Centifonte of Centifonte Strategies joins us to take a look at the first week of a post-Roe era. She debunks pro-abortion rhetoric and shares how misinformed the pro-abortion side is. After 49 years, the legal sham of Roe vs. Wade no longer looms over our nation. Now it's up to the legislatures in each state to enact laws that affirm the court's decision, stating that the U.S. Constitution does not confer a right to abortion.
2: God, you are faithful and true, and we have nothing more to say but thank you, God.
0: The reactions have been emotional and, at times, violent.
1: We will abolish abortion!
0: The opinion in the Dobbs case, written by Justice Samuel Alito, points out that abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution, nor deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition. It also states that Roe was, quote, on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided.
3: This is certainly a day that pro-lifers have been waiting for for 49 years. Today's Supreme Court decision was a step to protect the most precious and basic right, the right to life.
0: Pro-lifers celebrated right here outside of the Supreme Court just last Friday. Justices Barrett, Kavanaugh, Thomas, and Gorsuch all agreed with Alito's opinion. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote a separate opinion, saying that he agreed Mississippi's law should be upheld, but that the larger question of the constitutionality of Roe should have been decided at a later date. Justice Alito wrote, quote, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Senators on Capitol Hill also weighed in, celebrating the end of Roe.
1: As we move forward as a nation, I believe greater attention should be paid to the needs of pregnant women and their babies.
0: Baptized Catholic President Joe Biden called the Supreme Court's decision a tragic error and urged the Department of Health and Human Services to make dangerous chemical abortion drugs more widely available. His administration has widely followed Biden's lead, with the Department of Justice and the Pentagon both issuing statements promoting access to abortion. And we're now joined by Attorney General Lynn Fitch herself, who represented Mississippi's pro-life law at the Supreme Court. General Fitch, thank you so much for joining us. For so long, our hands have been tied due to Roe versus Wade, yet the people of your state chose to defy the extreme status quo of abortion on demand. And now, today, that has led to all 50 states being free to pass pro-life laws of their choosing. What does this moment mean to you?
1: Well, it's incredible. It's historic, and it's a brand new day for the American people. We just turned the page on Roe v. Wade. I mean, what a victory for women and children and the court itself. And I I truly commend the court for restoring constitutional principle and returning this very important decision back to the people of each respective state. Uh, And now we can really get on with the job of empowering women and promoting life.
0: Right, and in the few days since Roe has been struck down, at least 12 states have already enacted laws ending abortion. Many more are expected to follow in the coming days, including your state of Mississippi. So what's the plan in Mississippi, and what does all of this momentum across the country signal to you?
1: Well, again, it's a very critical time for all of us. I did certify our trigger law, which will go into effect July the 7th, sent that information to the secretary of state. Also written notice to the Jackson uh, Women's Health Care Organization, notifying them of my certification.
0: Very exciting that soon in Mississippi, pretty much all abortions will be illegal. So many babies will be saved. And you said that now that the Supreme Court has spoken definitively and ended Roe, that the challenge falls to us, the American people, to come alongside mothers and their young children, their babies, What policies can be implemented in the states to really restore a pro-family culture?
1: Well, it really does. And, you know, in our brief and in our argument, we talked about we had to have a holistic discussion about empowering women and promoting life. That It wasn't an either-or. And so 50 years had gone by, and we'd had this special set of rules that applied to abortion, and now we don't. And so now we need to step up and be engaged in truly empowering women. So that means we need to do a lot of things. We need to drive towards solutions where first and foremost we talk about child care. We make it affordable and quality child care for women. Talk about how we can uh, enforce child support payments because for far too long women have borne the financial burden. We've certainly got to talk about um, the streamlining the adoption process and reevaluating the foster care system and connecting these children with loving families more quickly because they're, the families are there and they can help these children thrive with the love and compassion. Um, we've got to talk about different options for um, the workplace environment like flexibility and maternity and paternity leave. And then also we've got to provide that safety net to our crisis, Pregnancy Crisis Resource Centers. We've got to have the resources and tools. So these are some challenges, but they're great opportunities and we're ready to take on this job. I mean, it will it'll involve everyone doing that, um, private, public, everyone stepping up. And so it is an exciting time.
0: It is and it sounds like you've got a great plan to get things moving. and. Attorney General, what is your message to women who don't agree with us, who might be resistant to this post-Roe world and all of the help that we have to offer them?
1: Well, in this post row world, we're looking at it from a different perspective. We are truly there to empower women. Again, 50 years ago, you didn't have the choice. Um, you either or. And so now you do. And so we want to help women have their fullest dreams come true, their professional lives, and yet be that outstanding, compassionate, loving mother that they'd like to do as well.
0: So wonderful. And it's such an exciting time for our movement. Much of it is attributed to you and your team. So thank you so much, Attorney General Lynn Fitch of Mississippi. God bless you.
1: Thank you so much. And we truly appreciate my team,
0: myself, the prayers and the support. Of course. We're always right behind you. Thank you. While overturning Roe does not end abortion in the United States completely, it does return decision-making on abortion policy to state legislatures, and about a dozen states have already enacted laws that stop abortions in just these last few days. Despite the fact that abortion always ends an innocent life, many pro-abortion advocates are ironically concerned that now women will die because the Supreme Court's decision will force them to undergo illegal back-alley abortions, allegedly. Two well-known doctors who are dedicated to protecting the lives of both moms and babies tell us... That's not the case. I'm joined now for medical analysis by Dr. Christina Francis, board member and CEO elect at the Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and Dr. Tara Sander-Lee, Senior Fellow and Director of Life Sciences at the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Dr. Francis, thanks for joining me. Delivering babies into the world is what you do day in and day out. So what was your initial reaction to the news of Rose Overturn?
4: Yeah, thank you, Prudence, for having me on uh, to really celebrate this momentous decision uh, with you and all of your viewers. You know, I was um, overjoyed on Friday when I heard the news, and and honestly, a little dumbfounded that it actually happened. But you know, the knowledge that now in this country, women and children have a chance at real health care, as opposed to being subject to uh, the restrictions that that Roe placed on states to be able to protect the safety of the women and children in their state, just overjoyed that now we're gonna be able to have real discussions on a state level and that all of those pro-life physicians that have gone ahead of me, um, APLOG, the organization that I work with, came into existence the year that Roe was decided. And in the 49 years since then, all of my mentors that have gone ahead of me have worked so hard towards this day. And so it was just, Uh, a wonderful day to know that the work and the voices of these pro-life physicians um, had finally paid off.
0: I think overjoyed is the perfect way to put it. And Dr. Lee, thank you for joining us as well. You have joined us many times here on Pro-Life Weekly, bringing us the scientific facts that demand that these unborn children be protected under the law. What's going through your head right now?
3: You know, again, thank you so much for having me, Prudence. And this is an incredible moment of celebration. I mean, Roe and Casey were an egregious wrong in the history of America. and. You know, as I've I've said many times on this show, science reveals the truth about how each one of these babies developing inside the womb is a human being from conception until birth that should be protected. And now the American people, through their elected officials at the state and federal level, can finally have their voice heard. I mean, in states where now in states, where abortion is now illegal. Abortion clinics are closing. Pregnancy help centers are providing material needs and help to women that desperately need it if they're facing an unexpected pregnancy. Lives are being saved. And hearts as early as six weeks are now beating that would have been stopped stopped if not for the Dobbs decision last Friday. So this is a huge win and we are so excited. Yes,
0: praise God for that. And ladies, I want to talk about some misinformation we're hearing regarding ectopic pregnancies. Pro-abortion politicians and reporters are saying that the Roe decision means that women won't be able to get the treatment they need if they experience this complication. Dr. Francis, I want to start with you. Can you just explain what an ectopic ectopic pregnancy is and what the treatment would be. Are these claims from the pro-abortion side true?
4: Yes, absolutely. You know, my my heart has been breaking over the last few days as I see this misinformation really being spread. And I think a lot of women are legitimately feeling scared that they're not going to be able to receive life-saving treatment when they need it. So an ectopic pregnancy, put simply, is a, a pregnancy where the embryo has implanted somewhere outside of the uterus, where it's not supposed to be. And these pregnancies are a legitimate threat to the life of the mother. Um, ectopic pregnancies are still the leading cause of maternal mortality in the first trimester. So there's a very real situations that we to deal with. But treating an ectopic pregnancy is not the same thing as an abortion. The only intent of an abortion is to intentionally end the life of that embryonic or fetal human being, of that preborn child. That's not our intent when we treat an ectopic pregnancy. And, in fact, we use completely different procedures to treat an ectopic pregnancy than physicians use to do induced abortions. And so these procedures will in no way be restricted by state laws that restrict abortion. In fact, many state laws specifically accept ectopic pregnancies out of the law. And even pre-Roe, in states where abortion was illegal, physicians were not restricted in their ability to take care of ectopic pregnancies. So you know, this message needs to stop being spread. I'm a pro-life physician. I've never needed to do an abortion to adequately treat my patients or to save the life of my maternal patient. And yet I treat ectopic pregnancies all the time. And, you know, I'll just add one more thing that I find it very um, disingenuous that uh, the same people that are trying to fear monger and and tell women that they're not going to be able to be treated for ectopic pregnancies and that this is gonna put their life at risk, are the same people that are advocating for women to not even be screened for ectopic pregnancies before they obtain uh, abortion pills online or through the mail. And so I think we just need to be honest and um, help allay people's fears that you will still be able to receive excellent health care regardless of what your state decides to do with their abortion laws.
0: Yes, well surely that's a relief to women. Thank you so much for clearing that up, Dr. Francis. And Dr. Lee, we have time for one more question. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, other pro-abortion politicians are saying that women are going to die because of this decision. What do you think about that?
3: Well, I just want to say that just because someone like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says that people will die because of this decision doesn't make it true. I mean, it it really is pure fear-mongering, plain and simple. And it's heartbreaking that millions of women across our nation are being fed the pro-abortion prescription of misinformation. And I just want to remind people that... Saying, making claims like this is just—it's really dangerous because they're spreading false scientific and medical facts. especially, like saying, saying that an American woman is 14 times more likely to die by carrying a pregnancy to term than by having an abortion. It's really important that people understand that the quality of United States maternal mortality data is quite poor. Several states within. with with the highest numbers of abortions don't even report their data, and even in states that do report, there is no consistency. So this creates a black hole from which abortion advocates can pull flawed data claiming that childbirth is more dangerous than abortion. We know when we look to other countries that have far more complete and accurate reporting on pregnancy outcomes, abortion, and childbirth, that the risk of a mother dying from an abortion is almost four times greater than that from childbirth.
0: Mm. All of this is so important, and I'm so thankful to had you both on the show today, Dr. Tara Sanderly and Dr. Christina Francis. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Prudence. Coming up, we take a look at misinformation and hostile reactions from the pro-abortion side in a special Speak Out segment. Plus, we're joined by two leaders of our movement who have been advocating for the unborn since the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly, I'm Prudence Robertson. In this first week of a post-row world, we've certainly seen some hostile reactions from the other side. We unpack them in this week's Speak Out segment. More pregnancy centers have been vandalized in Virginia, Colorado, and elsewhere. Dozens of companies are pledging to pay for their female employees to travel out of state to have abortions. There were horrific displays of pro-abortion extremism at the Supreme Court, and troves of misinformation are being propagated by the mainstream media. For this week's Speak Out segment, I'm joined by longtime pro-life leader and ally, Allison Santafonte of Santafonte Strategies. Allison, we're seeing a lot of visceral reactions from pro-abortion people, men, And women now that Roe versus Wade is no more. What have you been seeing?
5: Thanks, Prudence. And thanks so much for covering this because mainstream media is not covering PRCs being vandalized and the violence that has continued after this decision. And it's just striking to me. Violence begets violence. That's what's happening right now. The left is outraged, but they just saw the biggest loss that they've seen in decades, the greatest win for the pro life movement in decades. And so, Um, the amount of lies that are out there, the amount of angry people on the pro-abortion side is
0: massive. Yeah, I agree. And let's unpack them. You just recently gave birth to your second daughter, Allison. What's your reaction to this pregnant woman who labeled the child in her belly not yet human?
5: I saw that. And I've been at the Supreme Court. You have as well on days like this. And the crazies come out of of the, the troves, you know. This woman standing there visibly pregnant with this message on her stomach, I would ask her if I was able to, well, what is it then? Is it a squash? Is it a CD player? Is it a beaver? What, ha- what is it? Because I saw another photo where she's holding a toddler. It looked like it was hers. She knows what happens. We all know. Science is clear about life in the womb. She is lying to herself, and I think she's lying to the world. She knows that that's a human being and people are so bought into this this propaganda this narrative from the left that we can't acknowledge life in the womb until it's i guess born but i would ask her when is it a human life when does life begin and and try and engage with her but i think she was just doing that for clickbait for just to further the pro-abortion narrative that she
0: clearly and oddly supports. Right. And let's talk about social media for a minute. This morning, I was scrolling on my phone and saw that a beautiful graphic that simply states abortion is never medically necessary was censored and labeled sensitive content. Is it just me, Allison, or is this complete nonsense?
5: It's wild. It's absolute nonsense. We always seek to save both lives. Uh, Medical doctors have been very clear on this. Um, I've looked into this deeply, obviously, as a woman and as a mom of two, I want to know everything that could happen during pregnancy, right? And so many women are with me in that. What happens if my life is at risk What happens if they need to separate me from the baby? Um, I I really don't ever want to be in a situation where, you know, the doctors are looking at me saying, whose life do you want to save? Or asking that of my husband. Thankfully, that is not the case. And I have been affirmed many times over by wonderful OBGYN that any doctor worth their salt will seek to save them both. And if for any reason a mom needs to be separated from her baby during pregnancy, preeclampsia, high blood pressure, something happens, What we would all say needs to be done is early delivery via Mm C-section or inducing labor in order to separate me quickly from the child and seek to save both of our lives. An abortion in that situation would actually take longer prudence, be more violent for the child and have more health risks for me as a mom. And so there is always a life affirming solution here. And I just want to, you know, affirm any woman or man watching that you don't have to make that decision. Both lives are equal, and any doctor worth their salt will try and protect and save them
0: both. Thank you so much for explaining that. And finally, Allison, want to get your quick reaction to corporations and Hollywood personalities. What do you think about the way they're responding to all of this and the way that that's being pushed out by the media?
5: Yeah, these lives are they're raging like wildfires online. And so I would just challenge people to question what they're seeing. And to go into this with a healthy dose of cynicism that if your favorite influencer or celebrity is sharing something that seems maybe a little too outlandish it might actually be absolutely false and so to go online i love the website after row Um, after row shows every state's laws so go and find out what's real what's happening in each state and have a healthy dose of cynicism because there are a lot of lies out there being spread by people with very big platforms.
0: Thank you so much for what you've done, Allison, to get us to this moment in the pro life movement. Allison Santafonte of Santafonte Strategies, God bless you. Thanks, Bridan. As we embark on this post row era, we take a look back at how we got to this point in history. After almost 50 years, Roe is finally done for. Two of the outspoken voices who lived through the Roe v. Wade decision are Jeannie Mancini, president of the March for Life, and Chuck Donovan, president of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. In recent interviews, Mancini has said that the fight to end abortion is far from over. Meanwhile, Donovan has been vocal about his opposition to President Biden's pro-abortion agenda. Jeannie Mancini and Chuck Donovan join me now. Thank you both so much for being with me. You both lived through the 1973 Roe versus Wade Supreme Court decision, and you've been at the forefront of this movement for decades. So tell us what you're thinking now that Roe has been struck down. Jeannie, I'll start with you.
2: Well, I'm really just in awe in some ways that this moment has come. Um, I'm still just just really celebrating and, and taking it in. Uh, And yet (laughs) also thinking about what is to come because there is so much ahead and we're really in a new season uh, as so many of us have been saying here. So excited to think a little bit more about the states um, and also about, you know, increasing that safety net that we've all been thinking and talking about, which is already so strong as, as we know in the movement, but making that even stronger. Yes. And Chuck, what are your thoughts?
6: Well, I think we're in a moment of incredible opportunity, but there's certainly some risk. The abortion industry has changed over the years. They haven't grown the physician core that they wanted to have. Uh, Many places are actually pausing or stopping abortions and they're reverting to the abortion pill, which I think is a desperate and medically risky approach uh, to work directly with women and deliver them medications that actually increase their risk. So we'll have to adjust our strategies and be more about talking directly to, to women, as Jeannie mentioned.
0: Right, absolutely, and and Jeannie, you have said that the end of Roe is just the beginning. Explain what you mean by that.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm taking this famous Winston Churchill quote uh, after the Battle of El Amin, where he was asked, is this the end? And he said, oh, no, no, it's not the end. It's It's not even the beginning of the end, but perhaps. It's the end of the beginning, and that is how I see, and I think many of us see this. It's like we're moving into phase two now, um, where, the, really, this goes back to the people, you know, in their vote, particularly, and, and in a special way at the level of the states. Not that we won't have our work cut out for us uh, legislatively at the federal level, too, but at the March for Life, we're very committed to a state march program. Um, where this year alone we've been in five states and we plan to, over the next five to six years, be in all states.
0: Very exciting. It's so important to be active in those states on the local level now. And, and Chuck, you recently released a statement saying President Biden continues his see no evil, hear no evil, report no data on evil mindset. Explain what you mean by that.
6: Well, it's so disappointing, Prudence. You know, I've I've worked with senators for three or four decades on this issue And saw Joe Biden in in various modes, including a mode where he was opposed to abortion. He was supportive of the Hyde Amendment. Uh, Now he seems captive to the most extreme elements of his party. They're talking about, I think ludicrously, about placing abortion clinics on federal property. They're even exploring doing it on Indian reservations. I don't think those reservations want anything to do with the abortion industry. So... Uh, let's hope we can check this administration and then we have the power of the vote hopefully we can modify it and influence our country in a pro-life direction across the board
0: that's right and Jeannie, you've led the march for life for almost 10 years now but some people might not know the very first march was in 1974 the year right after roe was was decided and now that that decision has been overturned i wondered if you could tell us what next year's march is going to look like here in dc
2: So, well, for starters, we will march. I've been asked quite a bit, you know, hey, do we still need to march now that Roe is overturned? And my question back is, has abortion become unthinkable in the United States? Like, yes, we've reached this this incredible moment in history in in building a culture of life, but we have our work cut out for us, folks. Um, So we will continue to march, and the next March will be the 50th annual March for Life and the first post-Roe March for Life on January 20th. So I hope all of your viewers will plan to be there. I know. I can't wait to be there. And To both of you, we're seeing backlash
0: on all fronts in reaction to the Dobbs decision. From the Biden administration, as you've said, Chuck, big corporations, celebrities, they're all lying to women about what this decision means. So how should our movement be responding? Chuck, I'll start with you.
6: Well, I think the other side has indicated they want a summer of rage. I think our attitude needs to hold firm and calm, and we're seeking a summer of service. Uh, Come the fall, we'll seek a summer of election. Uh, for a new path for the country. But women need to see that the pro-life movement, which has done a remarkable thing. We have changed a constitutional ruling that was invalid from the start. We did it with peaceful activity. We did it with marching in Washington, DC. And I was talking with uh, Jeannie without really a single arrest for of anyone for disorderly conduct. conduct. And uh, here we are. This is a model of how civic peaceful change can happen. We need to plow straight ahead with the same spirit.
0: Amen. And Jeannie, any final thoughts from you?
2: I think it's a particular moment for pro-lifers to also just continue to try as hard as possible. It might be a little hard to treat uh, every person with great dignity and respect, knowing that, you know, life is not necessarily about fighting louder, but it's about uh, being loving. Life is loving. And and so to be that way with people who disagree with us, because that will win their hearts and melt their hearts And, and never to forget praying and fasting about this. This is a spiritual battle at its heart.
0: Amen. Could not agree more. And I'm so honored to have you both on the show this week. Thank you for everything that you have done for The Unborn and everything that you'll continue to do. Jeannie Mancini of March for Life and Chuck Donovan of the Charlotte Lozier Institute. Thanks for having us. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.